Welcome to Bat Therapy, exploring your favorite comic book characters through the lens of clinical psychology. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in a cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. Hey everybody, so today we are talking about Mr. Freeze and I'm super excited to hear from Keaton about this because Keaton, I think when we're picking this character you actually said while some of the storylines weren't as interesting to you as some other ones this is actually one of your favorite characters despite that so i'm super excited for us to talk about him today yes he absolutely is uh one of my favorite characters in batman Rhodes gallery simply because of his backstory yeah so tell us what what is it about his backstory like what what is it that draws you in differently than some other characters the big thing about Mr. Freeze's backstory is that that that's so different from all of the other Batman villains is all of this is happening for love. Uh, mm. His 100% of his motives is due to him wanting to help his sick wife. Yeah. Yeah. It's and now and what's interesting about this is this is the newer Mr. Freeze. So Mr. Freeze has been around for a very long time. They used to call him, I think, Mr. Zero. Mm. Uh, And he was always a very goofy, very campy, ridiculous, like one-off character. More the Arnold Schwarzenegger version? Actually, no. Um, Yeah, so the Arnold Schwarzenegger version is actually the more serious side, even though (laughs) as ridiculous as that movie was, like Whenever I think about Batman and Robin, I always think that it would have made a great musical. Like, looking at it, like the aesthetics, like, it would be an amazing musical, wouldn't it? Can we make a musical together? That sounds like magic. Yeah. I mean, come on. They click their heels together and skates pop out. Like, they literally (laughs) had Batman on ice in that movie. Uh, Yeah, it would have been, it would be amazing on Broadway. But so, yeah, Mr. Freeze never really had much of a backstory until Mm. Batman the Animated Series episode, Heart of Ice. So Paul Dini brought back Mr. Freeze and gave him the tragic backstory. Before that, there was no tragic backstory. And this was an episode of Batman the Animated Series that actually ended up putting the whole show on a map. It won an Emmy for writing, and it really set the tone for the entire animated series. And so what's really cool about that is, so we know that Harley Quinn came from Batman, the animated series, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't realize Mr. Freeze's modern day backstory also comes from Batman, the animated series, because after that, Paul Dini, the same guy that wrote Heart of Ice, wrote a one shot comic, simply called Batman, Mr. Freeze. Mm that gave his new backstory and it matched that of the animated series and it delved a little bit farther so victor freeze as a child he got infatuated with 
freezing animals because he wanted them to live forever and be happy forever. Hmm. Okay. Right. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little strange, but I mean, he's a, he's a kid. Suggesting a little bit of some oddities though in there. Definitely some, definitely some oddities, but the difference is he was not trying to kill them. He was actually yeah. trying to help them live forever, I guess. Mm-hmm. And a child's mind is, is very different from an adult's, right? Like Absolutely. from your perspective, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the most obvious things is, I mean, your brain is not nearly fully developed. But yeah, I mean, there's just a a lot of differences in terms of imagination, too. So, but yeah, there's a little bit of putting that imagination into practice here that it's kind of hinting that he could end up on a not so great path, I guess. Right. And this is Gotham. And this is Gotham. So any little slight oddity of a person is going to turn into a huge issue. (laughs) Yeah, there's not a, I mean, there's not a lot of good paths to walk down in Gotham, right? Parents notice that he's freezing animals Mm. and uh, they do what any good parent do. They ship him off to boarding school. Uh, (laughs) I know, right? It's, it's horrible. Like that's, that's the thing. Like, these these villains do not have to be villains, right? Like they yeah. they just the worst things happen to them. So yeah, he gets sent to boarding school. That goes bad because he ends up very very depressed, mm. alone without friends, and this goes on for years and years and years until he meets Nora. Ah. she became his whole world i was about to say this explains i I mean of course you know he's grieving and he cares about her right but there's almost this like obsession infatuation thing that happens with mr freeze so that makes a lot more sense if she's like his one and only person in the world right and they get married everything's seemingly happy but then uh she gets sick yeah she gets sick, and he's trying to figure out how to cure her. Um, he's working for a company called Goth Corp. Things go horribly wrong. They try and cut his research. He pushes back. An accident occurs, and inside the lab, he gets chemicals spilled on him. It's extremely cold, and now his body is stuck at sub-zero temperatures, and he must remain that way. Otherwise, he will die. And so, that's a quick backstory on Victor Freeze, which is funny. His last name is spelled F-R-I-E-S. Uh-huh. You know, they, he just didn't have a shot. You know? Right. It, no chance, right? Right. It's, you know, it's in the name. <laughs> right. If only he had become, he had his, I mean, Victor Spring. That would have been nice, right? Like a nice... Yeah. Perfect 70 degree, slightly windy <laughs> villain. <laughs> right? There you go. Yeah. I wonder what outfit he would have worn then. Something with flowers. I was just about to say that. Something it would have to have flowers. flowers. It would have to have right. flowers. Although then Poison Ivy might get mad. Also true. Yeah. A whole tr- thing well, would come out of that. She, I don't think she would get mad. I think she would assume he was an ally. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Right. Yeah. Chlorophyll sticks together, right? Uh, so yeah, 
back to Victor Freeze. What are your first thoughts on this this character? Just from hearing the story that, that I told here, what are the first things that you focus on as far as what went wrong? I mean, it's tough with the what went wrong, right? Because we have to be careful in general. So there are a lot of bad things, unfortunately, that happen to a lot of people and not everyone ends up, I was going to say, not everyone ends up like Mr. Freeze. He's a fictional character. I hope we all realize that. This is all real. This has always this been is real. All I was, real. Yeah. I was just talking to Waylon. He's doing very well. Still very green. Very sharp teeth. I talked to Still him from the other side the of sewers. Yeah. I talked to him from the other side of a glass, but he's He's doing well. He's doing well. Cooking his food now. There you go. Oh, good, good, good. No raw meat for uh, <laughs> Killer Croc slash Waylon out there. So, you know, yeah, I mean, not all of us turn out to maybe do things that harm other people, shall we say. There are a lot of different factors that, that come into play. But, I mean, definitely, it, it seems in general, may, so there's a the whole, like, nature versus nurture thing. Um, so what comes from our environment versus what comes to us genetically. And so part of the reason some of that stuff is so complicated is that even when it comes to your genes and your biology, certain things are pulled out based on the experiences you have, um, which can, I mean, you you have a science background, as I was talking about in a, a different video, but um, right. you've probably, you know, are familiar with some of that stuff. But right. so, I mean, it sounds like there might have just been something for him as a person going on, just kind of his approach to life and death and, and trying to traverse that from an early age. Now, granted, he was a kid and kids do think differently and their imaginations work differently. And so it's not necessarily the idea of freezing animals to keep them alive forever. But if he's actively going out and doing that, it makes me kind of wonder what led up to, to that. Um, and, and also, okay, going to boarding school or, or, or leaving home um, can actually sometimes be helpful, but it, it, I don't know. I'm just kind of wondering about what, what were, the what were his parents kind of process what was what were they going through in terms of trying to support him what was that home life looking like because it seems like there's this pattern where he gets very connected digging a little bit more into his childhood yeah reading the reading some of the comments and stuff so he started developing his infatuation with freezing animals mm -hmm. to kind of get away from his father his father apparently was a huge huge control freak ah. like very very controlling and then when they sent him to the boarding school so he was there for only a little bit and then when it was time to go home for the holidays his parents disowned him hmm. how old right. was he do you know I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. His parents disowned him, and so he basically didn't really see them anymore, stayed in boarding school, and then went to college, mm. and that's where he met Nora in, okay. in college. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like he might not have had the easiest go of it, and... His way of trying to manage that is getting very attached in a way to where, like, 
losses is just unimaginable, right? So getting really attached right. to animals or getting really attached to Nora. And I mean, of course, it makes sense that someone who doesn't really have many attachments, uh, people or or beings, right? Doesn't always have to be people. No judgment. I love me some pets myself. Um, but it seems like just with how connected he gets and he only has this one person and so it makes sense to me that it plays out again like it did in childhood so I I have to freeze her I have to keep her here there's no other option there's no other option this is who I have and just getting very very attached to this one thing uh, because all of this other stuff was just unpredictable and I mean, to the very point of being sent away, not uh, being disowned by his parents. I mean, there, there were, it seems like very few moments where he was able to really relate to another being. And so when it happened, he couldn't let it go. Right. As far as continuity in comic books go, Nora is the only person that has ever loved Victor Freeze. Mm. Like that's like, that is it. Like his parents disowned him. He didn't have any friends. It was always just Nora. And so it almost seems like she was his ticket to a happy life until that Mm. ticket got ripped. Yeah. And I mean, think about it. Think about how distraught that is. I mean, loss is a terrible thing for most, if not everyone, let alone if you only have very few people or connections then lose you know losing one out of say 20 is different than one out of one right right these are vastly different things and yeah i mean it makes sense that it would actually a lot of times when people deal with stress and trauma it pulls them back to what their kind of baseline reactions are a lot of times the the things that we may have even grown out of as a child will come back around if we're having a really tough time or things get really really hard so it actually it makes sense that he actually goes back to this reasoning that he had with the animals when he was a kid when he's got this huge stress of of the potential loss of his wife, his one and only person and connection. Let me ask this. Looking at his situation, how do you think the parents should have handled that? Like I'm trying to imagine like mm-hmm. coming home and my son just froze a gerbil. Yeah. Right? Like, he froze a gerbil. My, my first thought wouldn't be, well, this isn't going to work out. Better send, him to boarding, better send him to boarding school. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe try again. We'll see. You know, it would definitely be... A tough spot. I mean, I mean, that being said, I mean, like, kids fry ants on the sidewalk for worse reasons. I frozen. I, 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 I fried ants on the sidewalk. I did. Yeah. I could I see did. that. It was, yeah. What, what does that mean? <laughs> what? You could, you can see, like, what does that mean? Am I? We're talking about Mr. Freeze here. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, we'll worry about you later <laughs> uh, off off uh, recordings. Uh, <laughs> so the reason I say that is not to you know, reduce the importance of what might have been going on here. Obviously, it came back around and, and is this kind of underlying response that he has, right, that that causes a huge problem for him later in life. But yeah, I mean, I, I think part of what I'm saying here is that uh, there's definitely something to be dealt with. And at the same time, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier, right? Kids' brains work differently how do we try and understand what's going on here? So the good right. news is, is it's coming from a very empathic place, right? right? So instead of when when we look at crime, we consider things as a person might be focused on their own well-being and what they need, right? And you were talking about the draw of him because mm-hmm. love is a motivating factor. Um, now, actually, I mean, that's true, of course, in a lot of crimes. Um, but especially when we're talking about fictional characters like this, um, we don't always come across this kind of motivator. And it, it started from childhood, this intense empathy that led him down a not so great path. Um, so I think, I mean, who knows kind of what went on with the parents? I would, I would hope that boarding school wouldn't be the immediate response, um, I mean, just think about all the trouble to go through to actually get set up with boarding. So I would hope that there would be some other steps to that process. Uh, but there's a lot to work with if if this kid is doing it through empathy. And so is there a way for us to maybe help him see the consequences of his actions and how it's a great learning opportunity with sometimes trying to help actually makes things worse and might be harmful in some ways. And how do we help him see, okay, this is a wonderful place. This is coming from for you, but how do we help you maybe use it in a way that's healthier for you and for the animals? And, and also you're seeing that, that, I mean, not only, I was going to say he struggles with the grief process, but he doesn't even get there with the animals, right? Like he's he's literally keeping it from getting to that point. And he's, he's trying to do that with his wife too. And so maybe finding a way to help him connect with those feelings and, and learn to allow for the reality of life, which is what we have will not always be the same and what lives will eventually die. Right. Because when they when they sent him to this boarding school, if anything, he became detached. Yeah. It was just a really, really bad situation for him until he met Nora. Like this right. is the first time this this is the first time this guy's <laughs> experienced oxytocin in his life, right? Like, oh my goodness, this feels wonderful. Mm-hmm. Right? Out of after being disowned by my parents. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like most of the love and connection he's had, it was with the animals. Right. He was he struggled with the potential that it would not be there forever. Mm-hmm. And so kind of went to this place of how do I how do I prevent that from happening? And then right. he doesn't have this love and connection for a really long time. And then he gets it again. And so it immediately 
pulls him to feel, think, and react in similar ways to when he was a kid, which it sounds like he was never able to fully process and deal with. If anything, he was just shifted to a completely different place and shut down. Right. So Nora's sick. Freeze escapes from Gothcorp after the accident with his now frozen wife. Mm -hmm. He invents a refrigeration suit to keep his body cold to keep him alive and he also makes a powerful gun that can shoot ice beams and that is the birth of mr freeze now in the beginning he was not a criminal but the one thing we do know is that science costs money right sadly yes yeah unfortunately In order to power his suit and keep Mm. Nora alive, there was only one thing that could power it. Diamonds. (laughs) Naturally, because it's Gotham. If only it were corn syrup. You know, he's so smart. Think about all the things he created and he couldn't make it run off of dirt. Or, hey, oil would be better. Gasoline. If he had waited till 2015, he would have gotten Mr. Fusion, right? Uh, like we would have, we he it would have been a completely different story. Which I'm still upset that we don't have Mr. Fusion. Back to the Future mm. Two really got me excited for the for 2015. And oh, I remember when you and I texted that day. Yeah, that just uh, yeah, it didn't work out that way. Just a uh, just a weird election right after that. But anyway. <laughs> I digress. Okay, so this is the part that's interesting. There's not a ton of information as far as the different things that happen in Mr. Freeze's life. Mm. Freeze teams up with whoever has the diamonds. Whoever will pay, whoever will pay him, Freeze will work for him. So it sounds like, I mean, his morality has to all go through what will keep me and my wife alive. Right. It's not about, right, there's there's not a right or wrong, it's staying alive. Which, I mean, once again, very much mirrors the childhood piece. And the, and the thing is, it's, I don't even know if it's as much about even being able to stay alive. I, yeah. I it, it's, he doesn't really care what happens to him. Yeah. He just has sh- hardcore tunnel vision for saving Nora by any means necessary. Yes. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, where keeping himself alive is priority, but it's only priority because it's necessary to keep her alive. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of something I wonder about for him. You know, you were you were talking about how to respond to this child, right? And you, you come in and he's frozen as gerbil. And yeah, there's there's so much empathy that's that's very focused and targeted. But it's there and it's so intense. It just makes you wonder what potential he may have had to be able to spread that to others, right? Because he's doing these jobs and, hey, whoever's got the diamonds, okay. But there are reverberations of his actions that then harm others. And and you just can't help but wonder if he has this potential to, to I guess, generalize out his caring and empathy because he he clearly has so much right and so 
we definitely now we definitely know he had issues from boarding school. So here's a here's here's the next question that I had for you. Free's main thing that he focused on that that he absolutely loved before the accident, before Nora got sick, was Nora, mm-hmm. right? How would one find other things to latch on to? So let me like let me ask mm. this because of course we all have things that we're extremely attached to. Many people do, yes. Right. But it's plural, right? I said things. Mm. Mm-hmm. With Victor, it was only one it was only one, and that was Nora and, and that was the end all be all. Mm. What would you say that people should do? that are honestly in a situation like that. Because the thing is, mm. when when you are that attached to something, your biggest fear is losing it. Sure. Right? Naturally, yeah. And so you're, you're living your life in like completely attached to this one thing and just constantly more or less living your life in fear that something could happen to it. Yes. But that and but the thing is, those feelings are completely fair. Yeah. Right. They're completely fair. But at the same time, I guess it's also very much unhealthy. And so what's really difficult, I think, with with something like this is you you bring up a good point. His fear and probably the level of obsession Mm -hmm. with Nora makes sense. This infatuation, this 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 full focus on her because it's what he has. And so, yes, he's going to be terrified of losing it. Mm-hmm. And so part of the issue is also there's a reason it ended up this way for him. So, you know, if you look at his his life um, and, you know, it would be helpful, I think, to, to know more about, you know, what was it like? around kids at home before boarding school. Um, what was it like at home? Okay, so his his dad, you know, was had a critical eye. And, okay, what did that look like? What was his mom like, right? I, I think there are things that could help us understand it better. But in general, a person doesn't end up with only one thing out of nowhere. And so a lot of times what I see is if someone just has a very, very small world that they, they live in, there have been things that kept them from being able to grow it. Um, so they've struggled to find connections. They've been burned by a lot of the people around them. So for example, hey, I show caring and empathy for something and my parents rip me away from it entirely and they send me off and then I'm all alone, right? Um, right. Doesn't sound like he made connections when he left. Um, so there are a lot of examples of probably people being unsafe or distant and not really knowing how to connect. And so if, if miracle of miracles, you find that, you take it, you hold on to it, and you likely might believe that it's the only chance you have. Right. And so if if this were kind of how it's playing out for him, where this is, this is my miracle that I have here, despite all, of, all of, of the things getting in the way, I was able to find Nora – Really trying to to look at that. Okay, so did you think Nora was possible before you met her? Did you, you know, how did that come to be? Really 
hopefully helping someone see the fear that they have, find a way to acknowledge that um, change is inevitable. And if, if we can give you a little bit more support, it can be helpful in the long run. And then trying to show how, okay, you had one miracle. That means others could be out there. How do we make sure that you have the opportunities you need to maximize your chance for connecting with another miracle, right? So where did success come from with Nora and how do we expand it from there? But here's another thing that I'll say though, is I'm curious about Nora. So I'm curious about how she sees Mr. Freeze. So does she see this as I'm all he has? That's a lot of pressure. I really want him to get out in the world. Or is she similar? Is she also someone who we connected with one another? We are all we have. And so kind of that question of she got sick, right? And then all this stuff happened. But I wonder if she did not get sick, would she have encouraged him to grow in ways that his parents didn't know how? Or would they have kind of perpetuated something together where they had each other and that's wonderful and a strong bond, but eventually something's going to happen and they wouldn't know how to deal with it because all they have is each other. I think she was actually very healthy. Nice. Yeah. For, for him. Uh, because so this is what ends up happening in some continuities in the Arkham continuity they did a uh, downloadable content expansion about Mr. Freeze and something ends up happening and Nora gets thawed out and mm. wakes and wakes up and Freeze is like ru- is rushing he's like I have to get you back frozen again to save you yeah. Because I don't want you to die. And she looks at him and then she just says, then let me live. Mm. And they both just leave Gotham together. <sighs> okay. So I got I to gotta say something here. Oh, acceptance and commitment therapy. All up in right. that story. And I love it. Yeah. So he doesn't want her to die. Okay. Then let me live. So... What we're hearing here is if if you do not accept the reality of death, you will not allow for living. And, and, and by the way, you'll never get rid of death. Right. Right? So not only do you have death, but you have the weight of trying to fight death on top of that. So you're just right. adding to the weight of death instead of allowing yourself to live. So this is actually a concept from acceptance and commitment therapy mm-hmm. where we have to be willing for all of our experiences. We have to have acceptance. It doesn't mean we're thrilled by everything. It doesn't mean we should just lay down and take whatever the world gives us. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially not adding additional suffering onto the pain of existence. And, and I think that's just a, a beautiful representation of that. And I, I agree with you. It does highlight probably some really healthy things that, unfortunately, she might have helped him balance out. And, and it sounds like he, he went with it, right? He didn't fight it. Think about right. how hard that would be for him to fight that and shift into something new. So it does sound like her being torn away really did take away 
something right. really important and helpful for him. Because in the in the in in the comic books and in especially Batman and whenever they show backstory with Nora, mm-hmm. she is perfect. She's she's like mm. they I, I use that word sparingly because of course everyone has their flaws, but like she is just the perfect person for Victor. Yeah. And and it is she is his 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 heaven, if you will, after a life full of bad things. Mm-hmm. She was the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And then that light got snatched away mm-hmm. and he was willing to do anything at all to yep. get that light back. And so that's one reason why I like Mr. Freeze the way I do, because I truly feel and have compassion for this character it's not about money it's not about being a villain it's there's it is i honestly don't know if this person belongs in arkham asylum Hmm. you know you know i and and that was going to be my next question for you that was going to be my next question because so dc did a reboot the new 52 yep and (laughs) <laughs> they rehashed Mr. Freeze. And it was one of the worst comic book days of my life. I was so confused when that storyline came out. I was like, wait, what? Right. So this storyline was very different because basically Freeze, he still like had a rough childhood. But then he became a, a sci- he still became a scientist and he did his doctoral essay on a woman named Nora Fields. Mm-hmm. And then he slowly became infatuated. Yeah. And I think they said he had like some form of dementia. And so he would he came to believe that Nora was his wife and that they were completely in love and everything he was trying to do was a noble cause. Yeah, it sounds like he had delusional disorder or something, essentially a, a, a belief that gets stuck for someone despite there being evidence to the contrary. Right. And so they took away his real love story. Right. And and so this, this would be the difference, actually, between going to Arkham Asylum, right? So So a psychiatric facility... Right. versus the legal you know the the other parts of the legal system prison etc um and and yeah so in that storyline it would make far more sense to me that he would end up in arkham right right because there there is is a clear disconnect in his brain in terms of the reality other people are seeing and, and the reality that in himself right that he believes to be true that is resulting in all these behaviors um such as doing anything for diamonds, right? right. So, um, yeah, that storyline, while not our favorite, um, it makes it would make a lot more sense for him to end up in Arkham versus, yeah, the when it comes to the main Mister Freeze storyline, I agree with you. It doesn't really, yeah, make sense for him to to go that route in the criminal system or right. in the justice system. Yeah, I was not a fan at all of what they did in the new 52 because they took his kind of tragic beautiful story Mm. 
and just kind of like bought it up and threw it away because this story like his new story was still interesting Mm. but i felt like his old story is what really set him apart yeah so so let me say something here though let's put the two together so so actually one of one of my passion areas is working with people who experience odd or unusual beliefs and perceptions mm-hmm. um, who may or may not agree with the diagnoses that sometimes go along with it, but in- include things like delusional disorder. And so imagine that for you, let's say you're Mr. Freeze. Right. And imagine that for you, your reality is the Mr. Freeze storyline that we've been talking about this whole time. And just think about the love you feel, the loss you feel, just how focused on Nora and caring for Nora and being able to connect back with Nora and think about just how good of a person Nora is for him. All right. Imagine that you're this Mr. Freeze. Now imagine that does not change, but for everyone around you, your story changes to the new 52 version. That's very sad. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's right. Right. So, and that's yeah. And so that's a that's a very good point. That's still very, very sad because in this person's mind. Yes. Everything. All of that is real. Yes. And so not only is it so sad. Right. It's still so sad for that person. But then there's no one there to support you. Right. Right. Because they can't see your story. They aren't experiencing your story. Right. Right. And, it, and, and, and that's not to say there's not something important to, you know, what quote is real versus not real. And, and I say quotes cause ooh, philosophy, right? Like what is mm. real? But it is to say that we put a lot on what, what we believe to be real and what we perceive to be true. And we get very uncomfortable when someone else's perception of reality is different than ours. And sometimes we get stuck on, okay, but did this really happen? And okay, there's something to be said for that, right? But Mm. at the same time, it's real for him. And so all those feelings for the new 52 Mr. Freeze would be the exact same. But your perception of him is entirely different, which actually makes me respect the story a lot more. I don't know if that's what they were going for, okay? But it makes me respect a lot more, actually, in terms of uh, my role as a therapist and a psychologist uh, mm-hmm. because I, I see that every day people just desperately wanting someone to see from their perspective their their connection their joy their loss their fear whatever but having that disconnect that mr freeze and new 52 had yeah I, I i i can't say i ever thought about that perspective before and you're right that that is that is a very sad life especially because with the original well the pre-new 52 origin story mm-hmm. i feel like everyone can find some kind of empathy for that that character right like it's like oh wow that's just love yep but in the new 52 version it's it's more of a whoa this guy's off the unhinged Mm -hmm. right like it's just this is when we start hurling labels at people right Yes, I, I, I was, yes, that absolutely. I was literally sitting here just dancing, like, what word can, can I use that people 
this is when people would just honestly just be like, oh, my God, that's just a crazy person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, versus... now, and doesn't it make sense that people can be so sensitive to words like crazy, insane, right? There, These words, there's a reason people react, and it's because that's the reaction they get from other people. Right. And so to um so one thing I didn't I didn't mention, Freeze's uh condition uh uh-huh. makes him more or less immortal because everything's kinda frozen and so he does not age. Why doesn't he just throw all those chemicals on Nora? Um Maybe he can't replicate it or something. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure what happened. I mean either way They can just be two human popsicles and love forever. I feel like he doesn't want her to be like him, though. Hmm. I think that might be more of what it is. But there is a Batman Beyond episode called Meltdown that actually brings back Mr. Freeze to kind of hmm. close out his story. So Batman Beyond it takes place far in the future, and Terry McGinnis is the new Batman. So it's in being, 2015, along with Back to the Future? Something like that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But yeah, Terry McGinnis is the new Batman being mentored by a very old Bruce Wayne. Very old, very crotchety Bruce Wayne. Yes, he's so good. He's so crotchety. So good. Uh, Derek Powers, he's like the corrupt businessman. He's more or less the Lex Luthor of their time. Mm. Uh, He's also known as the villain Blight, and he needs a new body. And so he was going to try to clone a healthy body for himself, but he was like, eh, you know what? Let's make sure this works. I'll test it on Victor Freeze. Hmm. And so they give Victor a new body. Things don't work out. Victor ends up getting screwed over. Yeah, like, sounds about right. Yeah, he ends up getting screwed over. And he ends up becoming the villain Mr. Freeze again. And what's so bad about it is... This entire time, Terry McGinnis, the new Batman, is saying, hey, this guy's human. We can Mm. help this guy. Crotchety Bruce Wayne is like, this guy's nothing but evil. He's always been evil. And he has too much blood on his hands. And and that's the entire fight this episode. It's like, who's... It's like Terry versus Bruce. Mm -hmm. And in the end, Victor Freeze actually saves Terry McGinnis when he's about to be killed by Blight or Derek Powers. Yeah. Mr. Freeze saves him and the building is about to collapse. Batman tries to save Freeze. Freeze is kind of over all of it and puts up a thick wall of ice between him and Batman. And he lets the entire building come down on top of him and Mm. yeah and and that was the last appearance of victor freeze in the dc uh animated universe as far as that that time goes and so it ends because terry is really really hurt about the death of freeze and bruce actually ends up admitting that terry was right about freeze having good in him yeah I really like that because, okay, so so it's showing that empathy, right? Being able to, to generalize out like we were talking about earlier. It also, the it, it, it's the acceptance of death coming back around, right? Yeah. So so granted, it's not it's not directly Nora, right? Right. But I mean, earlier we we're talking about his, his a priority to keep is to keep himself alive so he can keep Nora alive, and right. and 
not only has he helped, but he is also allowing for death. He's not fighting it anymore. So I actually, I really like that as a, a closure piece for him. It's it's very, very sad because like the, the way that it happens, it's, it's more or less like he almost is at this point where he's like, I'm over it because they actually mm -hmm. cloned him a new body. Things were seemingly going well, mm -hmm. but the procedure didn't work and he reverted back. And then they tried to, the, the evil corporation tried to kill him. And that's when he turned back into yeah, who we know as Mr. Freeze. Yep. Just goes to show again. And it's going to keep coming up and I love it. Good. What, what makes a villain, right? And you know right. what? It's not all that person. There's always something outside of that person going on that helps right. create or recreate or bring out a villain and that brings up a good question in your opinion mm. is there such thing as a villain in the world of psychology is is there such thing as a villain because you know i when i think about the concept of like a protagonist and an antagonist mm -hmm. those are just roles from two different sides right right so, so what makes someone a, a, a villain? Yeah. So I think this is a question that maybe we should do a whole podcast about. And yeah. might even be a multi-parter in some ways. but Because um, I think it's such a huge and, and helpful question to ask. So th the easy out is there is no term villain, right? There's there's no just innately bad person. Now, now granted, there are there is, say, psychopathy, where we're talking about people who are lacking in empathy and the ability to connect to others. But I would argue that just the way our world is set up, it's near impossible, if not impossible, for something to be just all bad. And what I mean by that is even, even something that is mostly harmful, intends to be harmful, um, goes out of its way to be harmful, right? Let's say a person, for example, but I mean, any entity, let's say that's true. Well, even in the actions they do, it probably has some positive impacts on, on some things in the world in some way. Right. Because right? I mean, yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, but yeah, I think that's a great kind of bigger question for us to, to maybe address in one of these is, you know, what, what does villain mean? What, what is that? Yeah, because, I mean, Victor is a sad guy. I don't know if I can call him a bad guy. Goes way beyond what one should. But it's for yeah. a pretty noble purpose. Dude just wants to save his wife. And what's bad about this is he knows the science, but no one else does. And so... He's in this situation where he's the smartest person in the room and everyone around him is saying, you can't do this research. And that's got to be a bad place to be, too, because it's like, OK, you don't even understand what I'm doing. Yeah. And he's not the only smart person in the world. True. Right. True. Um, you know, he wasn't doing things the best way. Shall right. we say, just like with the animals, right? Right. Um, you know, there's, he's not a perfect person. Is he doing it 
in order to harm people or make things worse in the world for other people or only out for himself? No. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say noble. And once again, this is not a psych, there's no mental health or psychology term noble, right? Right. But, but he is blindly focused on one person's needs. Right. It's, it's that, yeah. And that's why I said it's like tunnel vision. Yes. Right. And so it either makes you completely passive or very aggressive. If you only focus on one person's needs. If it's not your needs, a lot of times you might be very passive, right? Just giving someone everything that, that they're looking for and stepping on yourself. But it could be aggressive, even if it's not for yourself, right? He's aggressively reacting to everything around him that might potentially be harmful to her. And I don't know if I personally, I don't necessarily see that as noble. He's he's ignoring a lot of factors here. Absolutely. In order to only focus on her needs. But that being said, I totally agree with you. It's a sad, sad story. Um, and I think that uh, this would be a good time for us to shift into mindful nerd moment. Okay. And I want to hit on this where there were some themes of not being able to acknowledge or accept the fact that the few connections he did make would have to inevitably end one day. Death is one of our only certainties in life. He also had this focus on one thing and one thing only. So how do we help him just kind of expand his awareness Mm -hmm. of himself and the world around him outside of Nora? These are all things that work really well with mindfulness, which is also, I mentioned acceptance and commitment therapy earlier, is a big component of acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, And so essentially, how do we help him just be able to acknowledge all of his different experiences going on? Mm -hmm. And not try to force things. So he's trying to force her to stay alive. He's trying to force death away. He's trying to force these things. How do we allow for a flow to life? And so mindfulness, the mindful nerd moments, all this stuff, um, is all about, okay, how do we accept what we're experiencing, what's going on around us, the good and the bad all together. So instead of fighting with things and, so kind mm-hmm. of like when, with his wife, right? So instead of right. fighting it to not let her die, let her live instead. So what I want to do, and for any psychologists and mental health providers out there, you might enjoy this. So what I want to do is I made an adaptation to a mindfulness exercise that people use a lot. So people a lot of times use what we call leaves on a stream or clouds in the sky. I changed it to penguins on a snowbank for Mr. Freeze, because I figured that this is an image that he might enjoy more than the others. Um, So we're going to just essentially get ourselves in a comfortable position and sit upright, but comfortably, right? Not stress or strain yourself, but just try and make sure that you're in a nice upright position. Um, If your feet are down on the floor, making sure they're flat, Your hands just resting gently either in your lap or by your sides and just allowing one of two things, either soften your gaze or if you're comfortable, gently closing your eyes and just taking a moment to pay attention to your breath and taking notice of what it's like to breathe in and out. We're not trying to change it. We're just noticing the breath 
as it enters your body, goes into your lungs, and as you release the breath. And as you sit here, imagine you are sitting next to a snowbank. And imagine that you see a penguin just leisurely gliding by on its belly along that snowbank. And just watch it as it slowly passes. Then imagine that another penguin passes by. And yet another. Until one penguin after the next is slowly gliding by along the snowbank. Now imagine that you could place one thought after another on top of the penguins. When you notice a thought in your mind, take it and place it on a penguin and watch it slowly glide by. Notice how the thoughts weigh nothing and can gently ride the penguin as it passes. Continue with this process, gently noticing a thought and placing each of these thoughts on a penguin and watching as the penguin slowly glides by on the snowbank. You may notice at certain points that the penguins stop gliding past. If so, just look to see where your mind took you and place that thought on top of a penguin and watch it glide by too. You will likely notice times when you get caught by a thought. You might notice that you try and hold the penguin or push it quickly away. When this happens, just try to gently place the thought or the feeling on top of a penguin and let it gently and slowly glide by on the snowbank. We're going to end this exercise soon. Take one last thought and place it on a penguin, watching it glide by. And then start to pay attention to your breath again. What it's like to breathe in, what it's like to breathe out. And with your eyes still closed or your, or your gaze still softened, bring your awareness to where you sit. Taking a few small movements, maybe moving your arms or your legs, twisting your body, just getting you used to being back where you are in your space. And when you're ready, we'll come back together and we'll see what Keaton thought of penguins on a snowbank. I really enjoyed that. Um, very, very peaceful. I, uh, at first, I'm not going to lie, at first I thought it was going to be just like counting sheep. Mm, mm-hmm. I did because I was like, oh, I'm just counting penguins instead of sheep. They're just going <laughs> by. But then when you talked about like putting different thoughts up there, like stressors and things like uh -huh. that, that's where it shifted. And so, yeah, I actually uh, really 
enjoyed that. And I think that Victor Freeze would enjoy that as well. Yeah, and you can even do it with feelings that come up, sensations you feel in the body. Uh, you know, the more we do these mindful nerd moments, the m- you know, hopefully the more you get used to being able to pick those things up as, as they come up. Because sometimes this can be a little tricky because it it's, feels a little abstract. Sometimes people like to have like a picture in front of them or a video so they can kind of have a visual to keep them on track. But yeah, it's it's kind of the, the relaxing of the counting sheep, right? You want to have that rhythm. And it's a rhythm that encourages us to okay, notice what we're thinking, but not grab too tightly to it. So if he thinks about Nora, allow yourself to think about Nora. Also allow yourself to let go of that thought and allow another thought. And eventually he's going to think about something other than Nora, right? And allowing all of those things to be. I was sitting there thinking also, one one thing too is just like, Victor Freeze needs peace. Hmm. Like he he really he he's so infatuated with Nora. This this is a, a someone that just needs peace because even when he is locked up, he's still just when they show him, he's still just thinking about Nora hmm. at yeah. all times. How am I gonna get out of here? How am I gonna cure? Her? He's really just locked in on this one thing, and so even when Nora is just like, "Let me live," he needs to as well. I think that's a wonderful way to end our podcast today. Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist, Dr. Amelia Brown. You can find me at Crafting the Mind on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I'm comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado, Keaton Hopkins. You can find me and my friends' movie reviews and reaction videos at teamjvs.com or on YouTube at teamjvs. For more information on this and other topics, check out our website at bat-therapy.com. To keep current on episodes and other updates, subscribe to our Bat Therapy YouTube channel or follow us on social media. We'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.